following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And- CWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WCWA Network podcast. I am your host here today, California Inferior, and I have a very, very special guest here today. This is a guy who has been in Ohio Valley Wrestling for the last 20 years, and he's produced some of the biggest stars that the industry has seen. Over 65 guys have been under contract in WWE, whether it's been referees, wrestlers themselves, guys that work backstage. He has done a hell of a lot for the industry, and he is here to, with me today. Here's the one and only Rip Rogers. Rip, how are you going tonight, my friend? Oh, greatest fucking day of my life. I ain't goddamn croaked. Hey, am I allowed to cuss on this motherfucker? Absolutely, sir. Okay. Um, so, Rip, uh, as usual, when we start the show, we uh, ask everybody how, when they were a young man, they became a wrestling fan. Well, it's probably like everybody else. You saw some bitch on TV and said, hey, that's fucking neat. Maybe I can do that. You know, and as I graduate from fucking high school, I, uh, it had in the goddamn thing as I was graduating. I'm going to go to college, play football, then I'll find out somehow, somehow I'm going to become a championship wrestler. Awesome, man. And I guess, you know, uh, a lot of guys did come in from football. Um, it seems like to be uh, something that was quite prevalent back then. Um, when you decided to start training, who was it that you uh, trained with? And, and how did you eventually learn about ring psychology and how to perform correctly in the wrestling business? I was never trained. Right. I was never fucking trained. You get that? <laughs> yeah. So I, I bullshit my way. I got goddamn booked. Then I shut the fuck up and watched and listened and said yes, sir, to everybody. And everybody fucking helped me because I was so fucking rotten that they didn't want me to hurt it. Right. So um, I, I do believe uh, from something that I, I found out through my research that Randy Savage taught you quite a lot in the wrestling business. What, what would you say that uh, Macho Man taught you the most in the wrestling business? Well, I just did an interview yesterday with ITV, and they're supposed to have some kind of, uh, they're doing some kind of documentary on him, and I think Australia's the first test market, I'm thinking. Okay. But anyway, so I answered two hours of fucking questions on that son bitch. It might, it might be a minute 20 and the rest is left on a cutting room floor, but, uh, but that's it. But no, I just fucking, I lived with fucking Randy for like the first four years, so, uh, uh, we were roommates. Yeah. So I learned booking, editing, dubbing, uh, finishes, how to fucking run towns, how to work fucking different styles. Pretty much 90, probably over 90% of the stuff I learned in the wrestling business was from him right. and his family, Lanny, uh, Angelo, and his mother. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, Randy is one of the greatest of all time. And um, I can certainly see why he would be a massive influence on anybody, especially living with him for four years. How was that experience living with Randy? Well, let's just say uh, there was never a dull moment. <laughs> and there, were, there, were, there were a few holes in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You um, want to see somebody go from zero to hero and one to fight for no reason. Uh, just say something to Randy or just look at him the wrong way. And there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. And uh, he's one of the guys that I, I looked up to most when I was uh, a weekend warrior here in Perth, Western Australia, uh, when I wrestled about okay. six years ago. Uh, my finish was the okay. elbow from the top rope, but it was uh, certainly wasn't as uh, snug and, and nice as his. It was actually pretty shit. But uh, um, that's what happens when you get trained by people that, shouldn't be training you and I, and I think that is something that's quite prevalent in the wrestling business is is uh that there are a lot of people out there training uh these young people that want to get into the business taking advantage of them taking money from them and they really don't have the qualifications uh to to train people so what, what are your thoughts on on that prevalence in the industry where there are a lot of these uh you know clowns out there trying to take money from people yeah, probably uh, this is just an estimate of me because I'm looking at how it is like Indiana, Kentucky. There's probably about five wrestling schools in every state, at least. Uh, and Indiana and Kentucky, we're like a little bit below average size states. So I imagine like when you get to the city, there's all kinds of shit, you know. Yeah. Like in, in the, on the East Coast and everything. But uh, that's like I remember the business was closed when I was trying to get into it. Nobody got in the business unless you were a wrestler's son. Uh, you lived next door to a wrestler. Your uncle knew the wrestler's dad. You had to know. Some, well, it's like any business. Yeah. It was all who you know. And the only wrestling school, this is when there was no cable TV. There was kayfabe. And, the, and most of the stuff was kept out of the magazines. The only one I ever heard of was Vern Gagne's wrestling school. Right. So... When I was uh, like a senior in college, and upon graduating, uh, I wrote to Vern Gagne, and he wrote me back about training basically at his barn. Right. But he said he had just, he had just graduated the class, and then years later, I, I got to partner up with Playboy Buddy Rose, and Buddy had just got out of that class. Right. And right. um and he said, uh, keep in touch, you know, and, and I bade him, I said, uh, I stand a shade under six foot, uh, about an inch and a half. And I said, I weigh, I weigh well over 200 pounds, uh, three pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's how you work. It's how you word everything. Right. Absolutely. And I told him, I, you know, all I wanted to do was be a wrestler. I did this sport. I played these sports in college, blah, 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 blah. But my main goal was to be a pro wrestler. You know what I mean? And that yeah. was it. So he was uh, he was open the door. He said, "But the next camp won't be till then." Right. And then before then, uh, now a guy in Indianapolis had a ring. His name was Master Stevens. But there was nobody there that was smart. So we would just get in there and and do stuff from the right side. And and but I went probably five six times. And, and there was a bunch of guys there that ended up having pro matches. Once one guy got in, he'd get the other guys in, the other shitty guys. Yeah. We were all shitty. Nobody starts out being any good. You think you are, but you're not. <laughs> you think you understand the business, but you goddamn don't. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. But the, the the guys today, right? Yeah. It's like it's like any business. The uh, the hamburger that takes thirty seven cents to make, they charge you three dollars for, right? That's it, yeah. And does it have to be good? No. 
But when I remember, I was like 17, 18 years old. I'm trying to figure out how I can get a ring and put it in my backyard. Yeah. Because I know you could buy, like, boxing rings and stuff, right? Yeah. Then I'm thinking, well, what the hell am I going to do there? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I going to get there with? I mean, the the key – now, here's what's fucked up about today's wrestling. Yeah. And it's nobody's fault. I mean, yeah, it's Vince McMahon's fault. Excuse me. Once I get in, once I got in the wrestling business, I started working for uh, Dick the Bruiser, the Sheik, Nick Goulas, Bob Geigel, uh, Harley Race, etc. Right? Yeah. Doing, and I worked for Vince Senior at the TV, old TVs there, and WWWF like uh, Philadelphia and Allentown, etc. But in uh, today, once I got in the wrestling business. Besides Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, you pretty much wrestled every day. Of course, you learn the business and you learn the business in the cars. So I might be in the car with Randy, Ronnie Garvin, Bob Roop, and me, or Bob Orton Jr. I might be out in Portland, Oregon. I'm driving. I'm driving with the Bushwhackers and Playboy Buddy Rose and Ed Wiskowski, who was Colonel De Beers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I might be yeah. in fucking Tampa, but anyway, the whole thing is you drive. In any sport, in any job, you hang out with people. If you're on a first-grade level, you want to be playing with the seniors in high school. They've already made all the mistakes, and they can help you. A fucking uh, a, a greenhorn rookie idiot can't learn anything from another greenhorn rookie idiot unless it's what not to do. It's like jumping off the top and getting hurt, and then you'll never do that shit. I remember I did a fucking knee drop. I pulled my knee pad down, did a fucking knee drop. And I had looked like a goddamn golf ball on top on my knee, right? <laughs> I said, "Well, I learned from that one time. I'll never do that motherfucker again." <laughs> I said, "I might climb the fucking top, but I'm never going to succeed with it." <laughs> <laughs> so you, ha- I tell everybody, you got to make the mistakes before you learn this son of a bitch. You fail, you fail, you fail. Oh, I figured that out. You fail, you fail, you fail. Here's another way of getting to the end of the rainbow, except the same old shit. Yeah. So uh, you can't. I can't fault somebody for loving wrestling. And if some if some idiot wants to pay ten thousand dollars for a two hundred dollar car, that's their business. What you need to do when you're uh, looking at wrestling schools, don't just get one that's the closest to you. Do your goddamn uh, do your homework on the son of a bitches. If if you can't Google the goddamn instructors, and it looks like they been been there done that or whatever uh you look like well i don't want to go to that place yeah if you don't run any spot yeah. shows you don't want to go to that place if you don't have a television show then you know it's pretty much nuts and bolts just enough to get by and you say what the fuck or whatever yeah so but then again uh a business is there to milk money out of you. So it's like any business. But the thing about it is, is always uh, search for the info on the school, who the trainers are, whatever, who have they trained, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then maybe contact some of them people because uh, uh, some famous trainer can say, oh, yeah, I did this, 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 and this. Then you contact the guy and said, oh, yeah, he's been there. He was there twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 
<laughs> so who so who the fuck knows? So uh whatever the fucking question was <laughs> I'll start rambling, okay? <laughs> That's okay, it happens a lot on the show. Um uh, we spoke to Al Snow a few months ago, and he made a really good point that I'd like to bring up with you, that he, he believes that uh, anyone who is uh, training people to wrestle should have a certification that uh, connects with the local, I guess, athletic commission, and they should only be allowed to train people how to wrestle by going through that avenue. What do you think of that idea? Well, uh, almost every state has an athletic commission. Yeah. And, and almost every state, uh, you have to be a licensed wrestler uh, to go to wrestling class. Yeah. So that's that's the norm. If the state don't have a athletic commission wherever you don't have to, you don't have to. Oh, all right. Because right. A, a lot of them things are just money grabs anyway. Yeah. That's why that's why Vince ruined the business by exposing the wrestling business and said this is this ain't real. Yeah. Because he didn't want to pay that fucking he didn't want to pay that high tax every night. So what he did was oh so some of these diehards for how many years said oh fuck you you condes you know what I mean yeah. I don't give a shit fuck you I'm never watching again I'll never attend any of your shit again you know and then he gets mad when they shoot uh, when they have TV and they shoot some fucking angle nobody buys it because you. A, you've already told them it ain't real, and you've also t- showed them how to do it on goddamn tough enough and shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, now the guys are genius. At ma- the guys are genius at making money. Genius at making money. But as far as my wrestling business, it ain't the wrestling business no for which exactly what he doesn't want. But he's the king right now. But no kingdom in anything lasts forever. And when they fall, they fall mightily. That's true, and I and I I really do feel like it, you know it's not going to be much longer before that may happen, considering how things are going with the uh, television ratings and and all that stuff. Um, I, I wanted to to bring this into a different subject uh, uh, as it pertains to today's wrestling, though. Talking about a lot of these young guys in some of these uh, companies, they say that wrestling has evolved. And uh, oh, I want to. In other words, they don't do their goddamn basics. <laughs> exactly. Anybody can do fucking shortcuts. Yeah. No, they say evolved because a most of the goddamn owners ain't motherfucking wrestlers. Yeah. It ain't Eddie Graham running the tight ship. It ain't Bill Watts. It ain't Ole Anderson. It ain't Fritz von Erich. It ain't Joe Blanchard. It ain't Paul Bosch. It's not Bob Geigel. It's not Harley Race. It's not Jerry Jarrett. It's not Dick the Bruiser. It's not the goddamn Sheik. It's not Vern goddamn Gagne. It's not Don Owens. It's not Mike LaBelle. It's not Roy Shires. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not Stu Hart. These guys protected the goddamn fucking business. You didn't do stupid shit because you had to work goddamn every day. I can't have people getting hurt. In the old days, they might carry a day or two, then they just fucking fire your ass because the show must go goddamn on. And when you're doing this fucking stupid shit because you're a mark trying to be, oh, cool moves, A, fuck you. B, fuck you. C, fuck you. Go do your fucking dive and and fucking, yeah, discombobulate yourself and then see how fucking cool that motherfucker is. (laughs) Now, I ain't against fucking dives, but but it's got to mean something. Agree. I I remember I was fucking at a seminar somewhere. I think, yeah, I was Monster Factory. Me and Danny Cage. They're watching the first NXT or whatever. 
They had it all. They, we watched that some bitch, and there were so many goddamn dives. Oh, it was exciting. I said every match had a goddamn dive. None of it meant fucking nothing. That's like I cut I cut the guy's head off, but the motherfuckers that wasn't the end of the match. Yeah. I said you guys are just fucking stupid. That'd be like in watching. Uh, oh, this NBA guy. Oh, he goes behind his back, through his fucking leg, throws the goddamn lock pass, shoots the motherfucking tree. I said, look, they they lost by fifty. Cool moves don't fucking get it in any sports. It's fun to fucking mentals. Yep, this guy hit a home run. Did you see his home run trot? And he pointed it. I said, fuck you. Fucking marks and fucking everything. And the marks always know about the guys that have fucking did the son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. I don't even want to get wound up about that shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you too wound up too soon. Um, but like that that's something that I feel really strongly about um, and why I don't really watch much of today's product is because I can see people cooperate cooperating with each other in the ring. I can see that they're doing a spot and it just takes me completely out of the match and I can't stomach it for not even a second. Um, I would rather sit there and watch earthquake and typhoon, not do anything fancy and just, ground and pound one another. I'd rather watch that than watch what happens today when I see people cooperating with each other. What do you think is wrong with today's wrestler as it pertains to ring psychology and all this stuff? Is it because they grew up playing the video games, which is like an arcade game, and they think that's what wrestling should be? What do you think happened? Well, they don't get to see good wrestling. There hasn't been any good wrestling for years and years and years. Yeah. As soon as WWE went big time, then the territory started dying one by one. So what they have to do, well, now we got to start producing wrestlers. Where before, when WWE started big time, the guys that had worked for them for years, they fucking phased all them out. And they raided so many guys from Vern, so many guys from Jarrett, from every territory they were taking people, right? Yeah. So they were getting the main eventers from everywhere because they was making them the goddamn money. And you can't fault the guy for going there and getting worldwide exposure. That's what you're fucking wanting. Hell, Honky Tonk's still working every goddamn weekend from being on WWE how many years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't fault them on that. But what happens is they take guys off the fucking street. Not off the street. But what I'm saying is, well, this guy was an ex-NFL player, so we're going to put him in NXT. This guy was a fucking... Uh, now, you got to have your, your, your demographics, right? Yeah. Which is the, the part they don't want to tell you. You don't have a pro football team that has six quarterbacks and six fullbacks. You only got so many guys on the roster. They got so many guys on their fucking roster, but they got to be broken down. Okay, basically, which you're not supposed to say, I got to have so many blacks. I got to have so many Mexicans. I got to have so many Puerto Ricans. I got to have so many Englishmen, Australians, Japs. Uh, fucking uh, Indians. They got it all broken down and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, things are going in the wrong direction. And I, I want to know, like, do you think anything can be done to correct the direction the industry is going? Or do you feel, since Vince exposed the business, that we're just on a constant decline and we're never going to get back to where where we want to be with wrestling? Okay, there's always new fans and there's always old fans, right? Yeah. What you'd have to do is take two steps backwards. Just think if 
if uh, Vince was no longer around and they announced, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's a new sheriff in town, and from now on, pro wrestling is going to be real. Holy shit. Now, what do you guys got to do? Uh, boys, now all of a sudden, you just sell more. Yeah. And do the same yeah. shit. Yeah. But think yeah. about his new young people, new old people. That's who likes wrestling. Right. Um, so you've been in OVW now for, for 20 years, uh, training people, um, getting the next crop of people ready. Uh, you've been there through when they were uh, the developmental territory for the WWE, after they were the de- developmental territory for WWE. What was your recollection of the time period where WWE pulled out of OVW and uh, decided to start up FCW? Well, we got to remember, years ago there was a there was a school in OVW, there was one in Cincinnati, there was one in Memphis, there was one in Atlanta, for sure, and I don't know if there's any more, but uh, Johnny Ace, he'd always have to come up and visit us. Yeah. He didn't want to come up and visit us. He just, I think he lived in Tampa or something like that, right? right? So he wanted to go where he can go out his back. He didn't want to go to goddamn Redneckville in fucking Louisville and spend his whole fucking day with this and that where he could go out his back door and drive to the fucking place. And I don't know how far he lived from there, but, but he's there, right? Yeah. That'd be, and we knew that we were a test group. You know what I mean? Uh, to find out how it would work. Uh, the ones in Memphis, the ones in Cincinnati, the ones in Atlanta, they all, they all didn't do very good, but we did real well, but it was me and Danny and Cornette and, uh, starting out and, uh, produce a lot of guys and we was always on the same page. Yeah. So, but that was then and then is now. So, uh, those guys were, you know great athletes they were used to working hard they wasn't in fucking trouble yeah so you truly believe that uh johnny ace pulled out of or or wanted to pull out of ovw after learning how you guys do your thing uh and and obviously not wanting to travel to (laughs) as you say uh, right if i lived in if i lived in tampa i put myself in his shoes if I had the power, I wanted to live in Tampa. That's where I lived. I wanted to goddamn school there. Yeah. So I could go visit yeah. when I needed to and not have to get on a fucking plane and spend my whole fucking day and this and that, blah, 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 where I could go down there, do what I need to do, and then come, then go back to my house, right? Yeah. Um, you know, can't get on somebody for that. <laughs> you know, I understand. Um so I mean OVW I mean as I as I saw in something that you said with Hannibal uh you've produced over 65 guys that got signed to the WWE uh, over the years or, or to a major promotion over the years you produced guys like Lesnar No 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 wait a minute now no wait a minute wait a minute I'm not talking about the guys like Brock Lesnar and shit Oh okay I'm talking about I'm talking about the guys that weren't under contract Oh shit okay Like yeah, see that's that's what makes it impressive, right? Yeah, it does even more. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's I'm talking about Santino coming in, getting a good run, JTG getting in coming in getting a good run. Some of them guys on the Spirit Squad, uh uh 
Johnny Jeter and Mike Mondo coming in and getting a, a, a nice run there. Uh, uh, Armando Estrada, uh, lot lot of our Abraham fucking Washington. This uh, this is just off the top of my head, right? Yeah. Uh, Serena Deeb, these guys, uh, girls or whatever. Uh, this guy called Kenobi, uh, he was like Triple H's right hand man, stooge or whatever. He had a hell of a run there. And he come to OBW, and he really wasn't a wrestler. He really wasn't a referee, but he, he got in there, and he half-assed understood the business. He know how to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and had a nice fucking run there. It eventually ended because it always ends. They don't keep everybody or nobody around for long, and they, they fire people for no reason, so everybody else has got a fucking pickle up their fucking ass <laughs> walking on goddamn eggshells knowing they can get fired for no goddamn reason. Absolutely, Keeps yeah. everybody yeah. under control. Oh dear! Like yeah. Mondo, he was, M- Mondo, Mondo was 21 years old, worked in Madison Square Garden, and then the dumbass got him a DUI. What happened? They fucking fired him, right? <sighs> Somebody else can get can get. Uh, it ain't strike one. Some people are strike one, you're out. Some are strike 37, they're still there. Yeah, I think but nobody what, said life was. I think now, one of the Usos have uh, like at least 10 DUIs. Who's that? Oh, one of the Usos. I think they have at least ten DUIs over the last few years. Oh well, okay. Well, well, okay. What what you're saying is now the, the best way if you're related to Samoans, <laughs> hey, I would, you're in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now the, the story I heard, I heard Appa and Sika always like the garden shows. They would uh, go with Vince to make the deposit at night after the garden show or whatever, and. uh they're like figured in for life. So, oh, right. uh, you know, but, but hell, that's, can, can you imagine the life knowing you're one of their grandkids or whatever? These are my uncles and, and all I got to do, boy, what a life I got to look forward to. Right. That'd be <laughs> fucking great. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It, but the thing about it is they're like second and third generation. So they're 10 times smarter than the average guy off the street. Hell, I'm having my first match and I'm not even smart. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> look at the advantage they're got absolutely they're fucking 10 years ahead 20 years ahead of everybody on understanding the rest of the business yeah so um so i mean you got i mean there's, there's this class of i think it's called the class of 2002 with the lesnar orton cena batista shelton benjamin i mean this is uh yeah. such a crop of guys that are become these massive stars in the business. Um, do you have any stories of those guys, that, you know, and, and, uh, and your interactions with them back in the day when they're just, you know, starting to starting out in OVW? Well, they were just phenomenal athletes and they'd be out there shooting all the time. There'd be Brian Keck, who was trying out for the Olympics and Sylvester Trukai, who was an NCAA champion, uh, from North Carolina state. These guys going out there shooting and everything, and because they were athletes and they were all alpha fucking males, right? Yeah. And the main thing is, you had to learn. You had to learn this shit. And these and a lot of these guys, they were making so much fun. Hell, Brock was making I think five thousand dollars a week to learn. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's probably the highest paid guy now, and only works temporary, right? Yeah. But this guy was so phenomenal, he went in and, and basically didn't play college football and did some games in NFL Europe and stuff with uh, with Minnesota. Yeah. 
almost the goddamn NFL because he just wanted to try it, right? <laughs> then he walks in the goddamn MMA with with no it was just basically an amateur wrestling background with no striking, no ju- no uh, jujitsu, no judo, et cetera, blah blah blah, no boxing really boxing skills. And then some bitch becomes the goddamn heavyweight champion. What a fucking freaking nature, right? Absolutely. Jesus Christ. What an athlete. Unbelievable, right? It's uh there there I don't think there's ever been and there will ever be anybody like Brock Lesnar. I think they broke the they broke the mold on old Brock. And he's just he was just he was like a goddamn uh humble uh Hell, he was from North South Dakota, and he drove the drove the tractor and everything. Lived on a fucking farm. And hell, he'd drive our ring truck and everything. <laughs> and uh, well, hell, I remember seen. I remember first night Cena come in. We was in uh, some little town, Freetown, Indiana. We was in, and I remember uh, John was there putting the ring up. The show was over, putting help, and he was just in a hell of a mood because he was on his way to being a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So you, you, you see these guys, and then you see them how many later years later or whatever, and whatever part you have in it, you're proud as a peacock. You're like a fucking dad, or like a fucking uncle, or like a grandpa, or some guy. Yeah, I was a coach, and like the like the football coach, the guy that makes the NFL or whatever. You're happier than fuck for them guys. And of course, they're going to change. They're going to grow up. They're going to mature. They're going to develop their own ideas and everything. But usually, uh, it's like when you're playing football in college and high school, you hate your coach because he made you run and shit. But then 10 years later, you figure it all out, and he's like a father figure, and you love the son of a bitch because he he pushed you to your maximum potential to make you as good as you could be. Yeah. And that's what the part about coaching wrestling was I like was. Now, I coach... I don't know anybody else that coaches this way because I teach them to, to, to call in the goddamn ring. And that's it. No prearranged bullshit allowed. No spots lined up or whatever. I'd be put, we'd run spot shows. I'd put a fucking list on the wall. This is just an example now, right? Yeah. They'd have Brock versus fucking Shelton. Brock, you're a goddamn heel. So I'd send Brock out there. He's expecting Shelton to come out. I'd send some other baby face out there, right? <laughs> And the referee tell them, do the same finish. And that's it. Wow. So in other words, they were taught how they had to adapt, right? And there was no sense lining something up because they knew after a couple times that the guy they expect was going to come out wasn't going to come out. So just (laughs) relax and learn, fucking go with the, and learn uh, the heel calling son of a bitch. And that's fucking it. Right. What they used to do, they they tell somebody he's going to be a heel. So I'd teach them how to be a goddamn heel. Then they would bring them up as a baby face or vice versa. Yeah. So then I started every, then I started teaching them both ways. I said, look, they're going to fuck with you anyway, just to see if you can adjust because it ain't like you're, cause like when WWE first went big time, you're thinking, uh, guys work the territories, have 2000 fucking matches. Now they're ready for the big time. These guys, they pull them off the goddamn street, pull them in developmental, all of a sudden, they're lucky to have fucking four matches a goddamn fucking month against other, excuse my language, retards just like them. So they don't know no fucking better. You got to get you get good by being 22 and working with a 40-year-old. 
That's it. You don't get good at work, working with some other idiot like yourself. First graders don't work with first graders. First graders need to work with goddamn eighth graders. That's it. I, I've had uh, many interviews where I've talked to people who very early in their career worked in Smoky Mountain and they were just working with the, the Rock and Roll Express and they're just learning so much so quickly as opposed to today where, uh, you know, all NXT guys. Well, the pro- uh, now, now this, this, this is what's bad. You could be the greatest wrestler in the world, but unless, but unless you're on WWE TV, nobody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. The other ones don't count. Nobody wakes up and nobody says, oh, I, w- I wish I want to be an uh, uh, impact wrestler. That's my goal in life. I want to be an ROH wrestler. I want, uh, uh, that's my goal in life. That's like, the, you don't say, I want to play minor league baseball. I, yeah. I want to play yeah. developmental NBA basketball. I want to play goddamn uh, uh, arena football. No. You want to play with the fucking best. And the best is the ones that are on the best goddamn TV stations. That's you it. could be the shittiest worker in the world. It does not matter. You're a fucking television star. Or you can be the world's greatest worker in the world, and uh, you're not on TV, so you're a fucking you're looked upon as a piece of shit. And that's the way it goddamn is. As Barnett said from Australia, uh, "Ripley, my boy, TV makes my star. TV, yeah. I'm the king of television." <laughs> and that's the way it fucking was, and that's the way it's always been. If you're on TV, you're a star. It don't matter if you're any good. It's goddamn name recognition. Just seeing your fucking seeing you. Directed goddamn mission. You're yeah. accepted as being the goddamn best. Hell, he's on TV. If I'm a kid, I'm watching the NBA. Why? They're on TV. I'm watching the NFL. I'm watching goddamn Major League Baseball. Why? They're the best. There they are. That's it. And I get now I get fucking wound up. You see. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know your your opinion of the WWE Performance Center. Have you ever had the chance to go? down there at all i know sin Bodhi has uh but um no interest no no interest <laughs> you got to remember i ran the whole fucking thing it'll be fucking w by myself as far as training guys yeah yeah so no because they got guys walking around on eggshells doing as they're told to do hoping they don't get fired yeah no when they're getting a fucking check just teach them this. Just teach them that. Don't fucking cuss. Don't call them a lazy fucking lard ass. Don't call, don't call them any fucking names like I would fucking do. <laughs> and fuck them. I ain't changing. I don't give a shit. Fuck the world. <laughs> love it. I love it, man. Um, no, fuck, fuck this motherfucking world. I, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, a couple of random questions. One specifically, who was somebody that you trained that you feel never got their due in the business? No, uh, a lot of guys were great. But being a good wrestler, being a good performer has nothing to do with anything. If the boss likes you, you're in. If he does not like you, you're out. And that's all that goddamn fucking matters. Yeah. Okay, you you remember Eugene, right? Yes. As Nick fucking Dinsmore, he was there at OBW eight or nine years, couldn't get a job. He was the best fucking wrestler we had. He had some matches with Chris Benoit when Benoit would come. Jesus fucking Christ. WWE did not give a fuck about wrestling. 
all of a sudden, I invented Eugene. I told him about Eugene. I said, what do you think? You ain't getting no job the other way. That all motherfucker right. got over so good, so fucking fast, all of a sudden, he had to be let go because all the guys, all of a sudden, he's having segments with Vince, with The Rock, everything, right? Yeah. All, all, all of a sudden, he's a threat of all these big money guys, ain't he? All of a sudden, everybody loves you till you start doing better than them. Then they fucking conjure up ways to get rid of your ass. So yeah. like when Mike Mondo yeah. got a fucking DUI, you don't think he was pushed into drinking? Maybe somebody put shit in his bottles to get him all fucked up and then conveniently called the police, etc. That shit's been going on from goddamn wrestling since day goddamn one. It's that way in any motherfucking sport. Anything in the entertainment fucking business. Yeah. But they all love yeah. you to start doing better than them. Oh, but with Eugene, we had the thing. He ran with the goddamn ball. I said, I said you're going to have about a two goddamn year fucking shelf life. Then the heels are going to beat him up. He's going to fucking lose his fucking memory, go in the fucking hospital. He's going to come out fucking normal. <laughs> then all of a sudden he starts selling in the match. He becomes Eugene again. You see what I mean? Yeah, I definitely see what you mean. Okay, but that's because I'm old and I can see shit. <laughs> but the whole thing is, in anything, if the boss likes you, you're in. If he don't like you, no matter how good you are, you might have a fucking job, but you're not fucking pushed. In, in, in any in any job, uh, if the boss says, I think that car should be red, what a great idea, boss, right? <laughs> oh, I think I've changed my mind. I think it should be blue. I think you're right. What a great idea, boss. Just sit at, if you're working there, just shut up. Get your fucking check. You'll be over more than you thought you ever would be. It's like fucking Dolph Ziggler. He makes over a million dollars a year fucking laughing, right? Absolutely. Oh, he's mid-card. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. You're fucking sitting at home watching him on TV, you stupid motherfucker. <laughs> fucking marks. God damn fucking marks. Wrestling, it ain't real when you win. It ain't real when you lose. That's it. Get in, get out. Don't get hurt. Live to fight another day. Train hard, get your dick sucked every fucking night. It don't get any fucking better than that, does it? Absolutely, I totally agree with you. Um, so, Rip, uh, <laughs> uh, you've got a book, right? Uh, I'd like to um, for you to talk to, to us about the book that you've put out. Okay, my book's a hell of a rib, right? Now, the rib is all I did was put shit on Twitter, tips, yeah, and one of my students. Caleb Hall, who went to uh, train with uh, Tim Flowers, Buddy Wayne, et cetera, up in Pacific Northwest, he said, hey, I wrote, all, I got all your tweets for the last how many years. I categorized them. And I said, you want to make a book? I said, as long as it don't cost me nothing. He said, okay, send me some pictures. So I sent him some pictures off my fucking phone. He says, okay, here's the fucking he sent me the copy of the first book. I said, well, it's got my real name spelled wrong and Lanny Popo's real name uh, spelled wrong. The rest of it's fine. So uh, so that's that. So you can get that at Amazon.com right now. Awesome. You can get uh, your fucking goddamn, goddamn Rip Rogers T-shirts from Pro, ProWrestlingTees.com. I just did that. I told you I did that Randy Savage special yesterday. 
Yep. And then uh, I also did two of the tapes with uh, Ted the Trailer Man Beast uh, on Hameen's network. And uh, so, been busy. That's good, man. I, I, um, I'm really happy that you're, you're keeping busy. You're still doing your thing in OVW. I, I heard you had a great oh, no, day no, the I, other day. No, I left. No, no, no. I, I left OVW. All right. I, I left OVW right before when the COVID was coming around. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I was there 20 years. I guess. I guess if you. Uh, if I live in Indianapolis and I'm driving to fucking Louisville on the weekends and, and all of a sudden you ain't making no money, I guess you'd be stupid to keep going, wouldn't you? Right. Well, I'm so, glad that you're still uh, keeping busy with other avenues and, um, you got some other revenue coming in through all the book and, uh, progressing tees and, uh, that's great. Well, um, I was a guy that loved fucking wrestling, but I ain't changing my ways. If you can't call in the ring, you ain't worth a fuck. No matter what, you talk shit, you ain't worth a goddamn shit. And you know if you what? Have no psychology, if you have no psychology in fucking ring, that ain't my fucking fault. I 100% agree with you. Uh, I remember when I, uh, I've mentioned it before earlier, but uh, when I did was a weekend warrior, uh, I'd never wanted to plan my matches out. I liked to just call it in the ring. I was never taught that. I just preferred it. I didn't like having to remember shit. I just liked to feel the moment. Yeah. And um, I did recently, not recently, but two years ago, I did a just a, a commentary role uh, for a live show at a markets. And uh, I was backstage before the show, and I could see all the guys just coming up with the whole match, talking about the whole match and trying to memorize the whole thing. And for me, I was like, my God, if that was me, that match would be shit because I wouldn't be able to remember anything. I need to go out there and feel it. So I wasn't the greatest, yeah. but at least I got that aspect. Okay, I, I went in and listened to these guys as getting ready to do a match. They went over every match. I mean, every move in the match. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I said, they said, you want to add anything? I said, yeah, uh, I'm leaving. Because I remember, it's like I'm, I'm working with uh, Savio Vega in Caguas, Puerto Rico. I said, he goes, I, t- I said, T, we're going an hour. He looked at me. I said, hey, make a comeback at 58 to Vot Kick. Put me in the Cobra. I'll pop the I'll pop the goddamn Alka Seltzer in my fucking mouth. We'll go. We'll fucking run out of time. I'll be fucking foaming at the mouth. It'll be a draw. He said, "Yeah, but I said I'll see you in the ring." He said, "That's he said that's the night I learned how to work." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I got this shit. Just sit there, shut up, look like you're aggressive. We won't do fucking do fuck all. <laughs> I said, "Hey, that match we had last week, thirty minutes." I said, do the same thing in slow motion, and we'll just do the same thing. <laughs> this is a rib. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really appreciate your time uh, today, uh, Rip. Um, and to finish off the show, I've got 10 real quick fire questions just to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, and it, the segment okay. is called Five Second Frenzy. Um, so okay. when you were younger, who was your favorite wrestler? Oh, it was Dick the Bruiser because that's the only wrestling I got in uh, in Indiana at that time. 
who was your favorite opponent that you had over the years? Over the years, uh, probably Lanny Popo. I probably had 300 matches with him. Wow, cool. Uh, do you have a specific favorite match that you ever performed in? No, all the same to me. Cool. Uh, I know you don't watch television now, but when you were young and maybe, what was your favorite TV show? You mean real TV? Yeah. Or wrestling TV? Any TV. Real TV? Hell, I don't know. Hell, there were so many goddamn stations, or I mean so many programs, and you grew up. Hell, ain't when you're seven, seven, and you're 15, and you're 18. Everything's goddamn different. <laughs> Did you ever have a favorite film? Uh, Casablanca. Nice. I, I like fucking black and white movies. I don't like any colored movies. The fucking shadows, the fucking camera cuts were fucking different. Just, they were just fucking awesome. Awesome. Uh, what's your favorite food? Fuck Fino. I just eat. Did you ever have a favorite place to eat on the road? No. Uh, I, a, lot, a lot of times I take my food with me when I was bodybuilding and watching everything that I ate. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? I don't drink. You don't drink? Okay, fair enough. Uh, I don't drink. I don't fucking smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke dope. Never done fucking cocaine in my goddamn life. But if you give me a couple pain pills, I will take them if they're free. <laughs> uh, second last one. Uh, your favorite female body part? Uh, holy shit. You got them nice, uh, uh, nice, good old female titties if they're fucking uh, not real and, uh, and they're big. Or a nice fucking uh, pussy, but it's got to be goddamn fucking shade. <laughs> awesome. And uh, uh, your favorite curse word? I think I know what this one is. Probably fuck, motherfucker. You know. It's incredibly Talk popular. Fuck, motherfucker. <laughs> Eat a fuck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the end of Five Second Frenzy and uh, Rip Rogers. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it, and um, I just want to say here from Perth, Western Australia, I appreciate everything that you've done for the wrestling business over the years and the passion that you have. Learning from you here tonight was certainly something that enthralled me, and I appreciate your time. Well, in that case, send me a goddamn fucking check then, because my fucking thing's still saying spam risk looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, ben, I mean, uh, sent me some details of yours to uh, send you some money, so I'm going to send you some money for your time, because time is money. That's beautiful. All right. Have a good day, love. What is it th What is it there, about 2 in the morning? It's uh, one fifty-six a.m., yes. Yeah, okay. That's about two in the morning, ain't it? Okay. That's, That's it. pretty goddamn close, ain't it? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, live the dream and you're kind of biggin'. You come from Wigan. Thanks, brother. Take care and have a good day. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was the podcast here in conjunction with the WCWA network. I didn't do a proper outro because I wanted to record this part right now um, and, and post a bit of audio after this of my conversation with Rip before we went on the air, um, it's hilarious. He ripped, literally ripped my ass in two over calling him via Skype. Um, it said it was a spam and risk call, so he was pretty mad and thought that I was screwing around with him. So we'll end this show with what took place before we started recording the interview. 
But again, I want to thank Rip Rogers for his time. We had a great chat and he went on several rants, which are uh, incredibly um, entertaining. And uh, he talked quite a lot about the wrestling business and what happened to it, what is wrong with it today. So um, again, thank you to Rip Rogers. Thank you to Bin Harmeen for hooking us up and um, helping me out. And um, hey, we will see you next time when we talk to the one and only Doug Basham. Thank you. Okay, you there? Hey, buddy, how are you? Oh, I'm fucking ready to beat your fucking ass right now, pulling that fucking spam wrist shit with me. You I should have told me way ahead. You should have said, hey, no, listen, you should say, hey, it's going to come up spam risk. I and didn't know it would do you that. Tell somebody, well, you, huh? You, you I tell did, somebody that ahead of time. I didn't know that it would do that, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, did well, it say it last time worry. I called you? I don't fucking remember when you fucking called me or what it fucking said. Okay. Um, well, um, Let's I, get I, this I promise. Son of a bitch going. Uh, no. Let's get this motherfucker going and you, you fuck me. I'll track you down and fucking cut your dick off. <laughs> the, um, I promise you, of. there's no joke here. I, I'm really interested to interview you because Ben Harmin has spoke so highly of you and, I really wanted to do an interview with you to get uh, your thoughts out there about wrestling and ring psychology and, and what you've done over the years. This is an important interview for All me. Right, I, I certainly go. wouldn't let's, let's mess with you. Going.